Hi, I'm Shadow Stevens. While I'm doing this and that and the other thing at the very same time, I'm having a great time on The Jeremiah Show, the greatest show in the history of the world. For the love of God, subscribe. No, seriously, subscribe. It's The Jeremiah Show. Tearing back the curtain on music icons, pop culture, and food gods, we're bringing you the hottest guests from around the globe with your host, music business authority, LA personal development commentator, Mike Gormley. Step aside, Superman, from a race around the sun, your host, Mike Gormley. Gormley Show, uh, as part of the Jeremiah Higgins uh, media empire, and uh, <laughs> I was uh, thrilled today to have a gentleman named Jesse Colin Young, a name I've been hearing for a long time, uh, but uh, never met him before, and it's very nice to meet you, and, and as I was saying earlier, and Jeremiah agreed, in researching for our interview, I found out not only a lot about you, but a lot of music I didn't realize was there. And that may be a backhanded compliment. I, I don't mean it to be negative, but it's. Uh, but I discovered a lot of stuff as, as you've been recording some great stuff over the years. Yes, thank you. I mean, some of it, it's funny, only the stuff that rises to the surface and gets really popular. Yeah. You know, gets exposed the most. And there's, yeah, but... <clears throat> I've been doing it for at least a half a century, and yeah, there's a lot of music there. Um, it's a it's a legacy I'm proud of. Exposure was never easy to come by. It seems more difficult now, despite the many more outlets. It just seems more difficult than maybe it was when you just got a radio station to play your record. Yeah, well, and also you. Um, my daughter Jazzy is making records now. She's a beautiful singer mm -hmm. and songwriter. And it's, it seems, you know, when I was coming along, if you could attract enough attention to get a record deal, this, this was, you've already passed through the eye of the needle, mm -hmm. uh, so to speak. So <clears throat> people were paying attention to you uh, because they, because you got a deal, we're actually able. Somebody cared about you enough to take you into a studio and spend some yeah. money and, and make a record. Of uh, course, the the song everyone knows is uh, is a great recording of a song called "Get Together," and um, 
and was a huge hit. Uh, it was it actually got on the charts to a certain level, which means it got a certain amount of airplay, and then disappeared. And then it came back as part of a, a commercial or um, uh, uh, I don't know social thing or something like that. Is that correct? Yeah, it was it was it was a brotherhood commercial done by the um, National Council of Christians and Jews. And I'm I never really heard about that until I, you know, usually on at one o'clock in the morning whenever they put these free. <laughs> And I actually, I just saw it one one night laying there watching late TV, and there it was. Your song came on, yeah. And I, I, not the first time it came on, um, but that that was my first like, hey, we're on a we're on a Brotherhood commercial, huh. and that really, yeah, that carried that carried get together into a lot of homes after the the 67 release which was was really only a hit on the west coast uh-huh. in san francisco which was perfect because we came in to play the avalon ballroom i'd never been to san francisco for the first time in june 15th 1967 and we were used to being kind of ignored in new, new york <laughs> And the first thing that happened, I came into this hotel room, put my bag down, turned the radio on, which was built into the headboards of the two twin beds. And uh, I think I was bunking with Corbett at that time. And bam, there's Get Together on the radio. And nobody, nobody at the record company had told us about that. Maybe they didn't know about it. And um, so we just, and then the Avalon Ballroom was full of people. And... You know, we kind of looked at each other and said, we got to move here. <laughs> and that's exactly what we did. Yeah, you moved there and stayed there for a while. Yeah. Um, but stepping back before all that activity, um, mm-hmm. you had a couple of albums out. You were part of, correct me if I'm wrong, you were part of the Greenwich Village folk movement or you know, whatever yeah. it's called and you were in, in, up in new england and so on um and you weren't having hits but you were you were part of that whole scene right you were you were meeting those people who we've all heard about around that time and everything yes yeah i'd uh i'd actually this is a funny story so my first record comes out. I had to wait for a year because they signed me to Capitol. I made it um, in four hours one evening at A&R Studios, which is still open in New York City. I don't, I don't know whether it was 48th or 46th Street, but it was funny. I just, the other day when I was doing an interview, I said, I wonder if it's still there. And it says, open 24 hours. <laughs> the recording, it's still there. Um, yeah, and Capitol had the Beatles uh, that year, so uh-huh. they just put Jesse on the shelf. And they had what, a little, the, well, they just put you aside at that point. Yeah, and I was, so I, it was good because I was working the basket houses in the village and uh, tough audiences because they, 
you know, that was the first place probably in America where they charge you $10 for a cup of coffee. Yeah. I mean, that's not so unusual now. And, but it was really unusual then. Yeah. And, um, you know, instead of, instead of a cover charge. And um, yeah. so we passed the basket after we played. And um, I learned a lot. I worked a lot. I practiced all day. And I was doing it with a, with a friend of mine, Caesar Peters. So we were JC and Caesar. And uh, then my record came out, and my life changed. It, it just happened that fast. And my mentor who made that record with me, Bobby Scott, was a jazz musician early in his career, very marvelous composer. And um, I've listened to a lot of his records, just amazing. But um, you can hear that. You can hear that in your music. I knew you would listen to jazz and folk and blues, and you, you can hear it. It's all in there. It's uh, yeah. tremendous. Even now, I mean, I'm talking about not 50 years ago, but mm -hmm. it's go, still going on. It's still there. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Was it's that like, an exciting time or was it scary because of? finances or how how was all because you're a young guy so things were a little easier well we were really lucky um right after i made the record at when i made the record i was working at the rockefeller foundation as a purchasing agent i don't know how i ever got this job but it it, it was keeping me alive and and um, what happened? Good Lord. Oh, we went on a rent strike. And I thought, a rent strike? Does that mean we don't have to pay rent? And uh, one, of the, one of the people in our building, there was a lot of things wrong with the building, and they made a big list, and, and she was uh, studying the law. And all of a sudden, on strike. there was no rent for nine months. Oh. And that, that was the nine months that I needed to get to the release of my record. So, you know, if we could, if I could make 10 or $15 in the village at the basket house, I could eat and actually feed my wife, who was with me there involved and not involved in the music, but, uh, we were living together in the village and um so it was not it was not scary right. it, it was everything seemed to be working just right and when that rent strike was over it, um you know i my record was out and i started my first gig was club 47 in cambridge so mm -hmm. that's kind of like that was started. was that the young bloods or was that you that's me. You're still solo at this point. Yeah. But now the Young Bloods came together. First off, they were named after an album you already had, right? Mm hmm And and um, and uh, was come together on that album originally? No, it, um, that was still a folk album. Young Blood was mm -hmm. the name of my second album. That was a folk album. Again, um, kind of mixing my compositions with traditional blues and 
and traditional folk songs. And wonderful John Sebastian played with me on that record. Wonderful harmonica player from the mm -hmm. Oven Spoonful. And, and then George DeVivier, an amazing jazz bassist who Bobby put on that session, uh, or those several sessions, I guess. O.C. Johnson played drums? I don't know. But, uh, yep, and it was called Young Blood, and, and uh, originally it was Jesse Colin Young and the, and the Lonely Nights or the Jerry Corbett Trio or the, I forget, we had lots of different names for it, and eventually we just decided on Young Bloods. Um, you, were, you were doing folk, if that's mm -hmm. fair to say. Um, get together, first off, it had been already recorded by a bunch of people, right? Kingston Trio and mm -hmm. a Wee Five, I think it was. And um, I'd never heard any of that. I never even heard of any of that until I was looking up stuff about you. I had no idea. The, the real topper is, I think, later on, is that Dave Clark Five did a version of it. Which you don't, you don't know that? I haven't heard that one, no. <laughs> yeah, it was like top five or something, and it was their last top ten record was a what? version of Get Together. So I took a listen because I couldn't connect the two, but they did a pretty good job on it. Mm hmm Oh, nice. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Yeah. It was my doctor here in South Carolina who said, you know, the Kingston Trio recorded that song. I said, you're kidding me. He's a big Kingston Trio fan. And he said, uh -huh. wait a minute, let me get my phone. And then he comes back in with the, playing the, uh, the, uh, their, their version of Get Together. And I said, yeah. it's amazing. I didn't hear it, but I wasn't really, I don't know where I would have heard it. Because I was digging into Folkways records and all this um, music that had been recorded uh, throughout the South, mostly, um, during the Depression. And when they actually paid people like John Lomax and um, give him a tape recorder and said, go out and record Singing America. And, and they did beautifully. And that music was coming, starting to come out on folkways. Wow. And what a thrill. That's where Statesboro Blues came from, which is on the very first uh, Youngblood album. I'm trying to, what's the connection? Okay, so it's, it, it was released and it, it was folky, but it was a pop tune. It was a pop hit. That's okay with you to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, but it, I mean, it was not intended that you mean, we're talking about get together, right? Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I was walking to the village one day on a Sunday, and um, we were playing at the Cafe of Gogo. So we were making 20 bucks a man a night, and we would open for whomever was playing there. And mm -hmm. um, the Blues Project was also doing that. And the reason we were doing it was be to get the, the free rehearsal space, to have a stage with monitors and everything to practice on, for us was really essential because we had 
you know, two. I mean, the last time I was in a band was briefly when I was a t uh, when, when I was fifteen or something, and Corbett the same way. And since since his um, we haven't been playing in bands. We'd be playing solo or in duos or um, in folk music. So we had a lot to learn. And I had to I had to switch to the bass because we could not find a bass player. And we had three guitar players. So I decided for the adventure. I, of course, McCartney was a great inspiration. He was. And I said, well, he's doing it. It can be done. You can be a lead singer and play bass. Um, I don't mean to stick to come together because there's so many other things to talk about, but it is interesting to me that wondering how how you made that transfer in sound in recording from more folky things to did somebody say you got to do it this way or you guys just heard it that way or how did that yeah, arrangement, if you will, come together? Well. I think I, I don't know. We just coalesced on that. I fell in love with that song. I heard it by mistake. I went down into the go-go that Sunday and thinking that I would find that it was dark and I could call the guys and we could rehearse. Mm -hmm. And instead there was an open mic and I would have normally not gone into the open mic, but for some reason it was two flights down the, st the stairs to the go-go. And, uh, for some reason, I went down the second flight of stairs, and I walked through that beaded curtain, and there was Buzzy Lenhart singing Get Together. Mm. And I was riveted. And I ran up to him after he came off and said, oh, man, I got to have the lyrics. Hi, I'm Jesse <laughs> Youngbloods, and uh, we, we hadn't met. I'd seen him play with Tim Harden, but I had never heard him sing. And, yeah. And... So he wrote the lyrics out for me, and I took it into rehearsal the next day. I loved, well, I still love that song. It's, uh, and when I heard it, um, I really, you know, those funny things that happen with the clouds in the in the movies about the Bible and uh, clouds open up and um, uh, that. I mean, I had that kind of feeling that my life was now changed kind of radically. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was. It became very much my my path. Yeah. Well, it's it's been a while. So, um, so you're now, what's going on now is a, is a 50th anniversary of Song for Julie. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've released, re-released the record, or so you got somebody to re-release the record, or how how is all of that? We um, when I signed with Warner Brothers, um, my manager Stuart Cutchins was able to. We had had it. We'd had that. We'd spent years getting somebody to re-release "Soul of a City Boy," my first album. Uh huh. And you know, he said. You artists shouldn't have to do that. You know, you sell, most of the records you sell, you know, happen in the first few years after you've released them. 
Mm -hmm. So the, the masters should come back to you. So that was the deal I signed with Warner Brothers. So Sampra Julie belongs to me, and we just put it out again. That's great. We remastered it. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, are you touring with it? Are you uh, out playing? Well, I'm going to do some promotion, but no, I was out playing last year. I had a wonderful tour with my daughter. I, I kind of went back to playing solo during COVID. Mm -hmm. Did a lot of Facebook recordings of all my songs solo. Yeah. And my manager said, why don't you, you should make a solo album. So I did. Um, called Highway Troubadour came out on BMG. And then Jazzy Young, my daughter, um, she and I toured last summer. And in the middle of the tour, we got COVID. <laughs> oh, man. So it got, yeah. Uh, some of the shows got put off. And uh, I think I'm still, I'm still not quite as strong as I was physically. Um, before COVID, yeah. so uh, so I decided that I would spend this year mostly writing my autobiography, which I had started before COVID and kind of um, lost interest in, and uh, now I am really excited by the by the project and um, we have of releasing and uh, of of writing. You know, I'm. Of writing the story of my life, kind of digging back into it and writing about it is. Is it enjoyable? It's really enjoyable. Oh, yeah. is it? Good. It's a. Yeah, that's something I didn't expect. I always, people said, oh, you should write a book. And I said, oh, man, it's too much work. <laughs> um, it is a lot of work. It is a lot of work. But this is a perfect time for it. I need a little pause from the road, and but I need to do something, and and writing the book is is right there. We'll go out and do a few promotional shows, short shows on uh, on the West Coast in October, and that's about it. Oh, good. Um, I mean, that's I think about all I've. We're going to uh, we're going to hear songs for Julie in a minute on our way to a commercial. Is there a quick synopsis of the song where it came from and what it's about? Quick, yeah. Well, it was called Melody in B flat, <laughs> and we didn't know exactly what to do with it. Um, we I had just the song for Julie band had, came together. That was the first album we ever made. So this was really an exciting time. We were learning. I was learning how to be an engineer. I kept buying new equipment when I could afford it. Um, I had built a studio next to my house. I said, why do I have to go, do I have to go to LA and stay in a cheap motel? Uh, why when I have this, why don't I build a studio next to my house? And uh, you're way ahead of time on that. <laughs> I mean, everybody's got one now, but you were. Yeah. You're yeah. a pioneer. 
I was a pioneer. It is true. And boy, was it. So, yeah, the, the impetus and the energy on that record all come from these, um, these four guys meeting each other and learning to play together and recording kind of all at the same time, including the guy who was also singing but engineering. <laughs> and we, we had to <clears throat> work that out, you know. So it's now on Spotify and all those platforms? Mm-hmm. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And it, uh, yeah, song for Julie. My ex-wife was there one day in the rehearsal and we were rehearsing it. And uh, at the end of that day, she just handed me the, these lyrics. And we, we had wondered, like, how do we, how do we get out of this? We don't have an ending or a place for it to go. And it doesn't feel complete. So those lyrics uh which she wrote i may have uh, edited them some but yeah those that made the song complete all right well we're going to jump into a commercial now and uh and hear a song for julie on her way into that commercial so we'll be back in a short while
My name's Danny Trejo, and you're listening to The Jeremiah Show. And on it, I'm talking about my cookbook, Awesome. Hey, I got a documentary coming out, a record called Satisfy My Soul. Check it out. Trejo's music, Jeremiah. You're loved, Holmes. Check out Jeremiah's top 10 new artist picks on Radio India Alliance each week. The Radio India Alliance is a chart service that allows indie recording artists an opportunity to have chart placements. We don't charge. We support RadioIndiaAlliance.com. Hi, this is Sharon from Ruby Ate the Fig. Congratulations on your 500th show. We love you, Jeremiah, because you're so cool, you're so interesting, and you're so out of the box. Hi, this is Johnny Valenti. I'm the owner of Birdland Jazz Club in New York City for nearly four decades. Going dark during the global pandemic taught me how important the arts, especially music, are to each of our cultures and our health. Musicians literally bring life and joy to our daily lives. Radio shows that support musicians and music, like The Jeremiah Show, are so important in keeping music alive. I hope that you will keep listening and supporting musicians. Please support the music. And please come and visit me at Birdland when you're in New York City. Thank you. calling the Mike Gormley show and I'm Mike Gormley I am uh, my mentor Jeremiah Higgins is lurking about somewhere um, but we are also back with Jesse Colin Young and we've been talking a great deal about uh, get together which is a signature tune uh, but there isn't there's another song of interest called darkness darkness um, mm. I mean, it it ended up didn't it end up with a Grammy or something? I'm mean, it's it's I wasn't familiar with it until I started doing research. Robert Plant got a Grammy. I remember he redid it when I was living in Hawaii, and he's calling me from I don't know where he got my telephone number, you know, on my landline, um, from the back seat of a limo <laughs> in London, <clears throat> telling me about. The album that he'd made of um, all these kind of folk singer songs from that time, mm-hmm. and Darkness being one of them, and he wanted to send me the, I mean, they made five different mixes of it. In those days, I guess they were doing different mixes for different, um, you know, different stations, different approaches to, but he... Yeah, it was marvelous, and I was—he uh, did a great job. We were we were talking earlier. By the way, we came out of that commercial with a, a great song called "Rich Top," and uh, we can get into that later. But 
are you observing the music industry these days are you observing what's going on or are you just doing it your way you started doing it your way before anybody else so you know it, it, you may be passive but a lot of complaints about uh songwriters making a living now and uh all that sort of stuff i mean yeah. it, they have they've somehow usurped all the money um <laughs> and it used used to be if you could sell a couple hundred records you'd in the beginning the record deals were so tiny the percentage i think our Youngwood's first percentage was one and a half percent of retail. Yeah. And that was probably 15 or 16 percent by the time I got to Warner Brothers. But of course, this is bands fighting for more of the pie, yeah. which, which we deserved. But, um, and now it's the, the, the streaming. I mean, the, I mean, the amount of streaming you have to have to earn a hundred dollars is <laughs> it's, it's amazing. What it's, was that? Uh, I, I've forgotten the, the artist who went to uh, Washington and he explained that he he's a very, very big artist. I've skipped the name, but he had on there had sold over or at least had over five million streaming, downloading, whatever. Mm -hmm. And for that, he received about $1,500. Yeah. I mean, that's just ridiculous. That's right. What the hell anybody can do about it at this point? Well, we'll see. Okay. I mean, look at, look at what we're right in the middle of a big UAW strike, United Auto Workers. It's funny. My grandpa was a union organizer. Oh, funny. So I've got that stream in my, but we, and we bucked the system as much as we could when we were in it. Um, that's the only way we ended up with 15% instead of a, if we just said it was okay to pay us a cent and a half, a cent and a half, really? <laughs> a cent and a half per record. It's just amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and some so people got kind of wealthy it, off that. Kind of circled back to a cent and a half. Yeah. It, it's, um, I don't know how, but, yeah, we got the UAW strike, we got the writer's strike, and there's going to be, there's going to have to be young musicians will have to lead us in, in a music strike. Do you think that's even possible? I mean, with all due respect, the musicians union mm -hmm. isn't, isn't, doesn't have the, the power, or I don't even know if they have the desire to do things like that. It's yeah i don't i don't think we can depend on the musicians union but sag aftra yeah of course i'm a member of that um that that's that's a strong union yeah um so we need a new <laughs> a new singer songwriters um gathering and then we need to strike uh for some reasonable sharing of the profits right right the streamers have just they well, it, just go, it just goes back to when uh these platforms were formed they made the deal with the record companies not with the writers or the publishers they made the deal with the record company and the record company designed it for the money to come to them 
And yeah. it, it worked. It worked <laughs> for them, yeah. Yeah, it worked for them. But yet they're still signing people and there are people writing songs and it's all still going on. Mm-hmm. You know, really, the, the, the only way you can make money as a musician nowadays is to go on the road mm-hmm. and maybe sell merchandise. Yeah. And if you, if you don't have a big following, you don't sell a lot of merchandise and you don't get to play a lot of big places. So it's, it's, it's a tough situation. I don't mean to be a downer about it for those who are listening. I mean, you keep writing, you know, but, uh, it's, it's scary at the moment, I would say. Yeah, it's really tough. It's so, it's so poor because people, it's such a poor way to, to treat us because people depend on music. And I mean, it is marvelous. I remember my son actually got me on Spotify. He was at Berkeley College of Music studying music. Mm-hmm. And, um, in Boston, and that's where my son went. By the way, oh yeah, yeah, long time before. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so he got me on Spotify. I said, "You mean I can, I can just hear Howling Wolf, just like that?" Mm-hmm. You know, I, the obscure blues players that I had grown up on and loved. I said, but "You can find them all on there." You have to admit, yeah. you can find them. And yes. You think of a song that wasn't a hit in 1952, you can find the darn thing on there usually. Yeah, it's it's a shame. It's like it's, it's, a, it's kind of like a listener's paradise, but it's not. It uh, is a listener's paradise, but it it's not leaving. Um, it's not really leaving a living for people, right? Who want to write songs and just play music and write songs, and it's been. You know, I haven't done any other work for money. I would since I started playing music. Yeah, and I have been through a lot of different curves of making nice money and very little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> houses with the bottom uh, there, but uh, but I've been able to make a living at it and have a life and. Uh, that's that's what I want to see for young artists today. Okay. We've, we've got a, another commercial coming up, and we're going into it with a song called Lafayette Waltz. Um, mm. uh, can you tell me about that song a little bit? It's an interesting title. Yeah, this is um, a song written by a man named Clifton Chenier. Oh, sure. And... Uh, a friend of mine, Michael Hurley, said, Jess, you ought to listen to Clifton Chenier. This was early on, and I fell in love with Cajun music. I didn't know about Cajun music. And, of course, I said, oh, yeah, that's what, that's what Jambalaya is all about. Uh-huh. I had learned the Hank Williams song, you know, maybe two or three years before that. From I grew up in New York, so not a lot of country music. On the radio, none actually. Um, when I was growing up, only doo-wop and rhythm and blues and, and and rock and roll. So, yeah, I learned Hank Williams from a a young man from the Midwest who lived in the same rooming house that I did, and then I thought, well, what a wonderful, you know, let's take a song 
that's the roots of Cajun music and put it with put it put it with uh, uh-huh. jambalaya. Mm-hmm. A song that was inspired by. Well, let's take a listen to Lafayette Waltz as it goes into a commercial, and we'll be back in a couple of minutes. I've stolen this moment from our host, Jeremiah. He's asked me to give you the title of the song, Evole Questa Musica Stasera. And that is a song that I fell in love with when I heard it for the first time, used in the soundtrack of the movie The Man from Uncle, back, I believe it was in the mid 2010s, and just had to record it. And it is going to be a part of my upcoming album releasing later this year. Hey, this is Johnny Gowdy. You're listening to The Jeremiah Show. You might know me from rock and roll and my podcast, How Did I Get Here? Look me up at johnnygowdy.com. Welcome, Los Angeles. The Jeremiah Show is now on Radio Candy Radio. Discover a world of emotions, your digital radio. The Jeremiah Show airs 10 p.m. Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. RadioCandyRadio.com. Hello, everyone. I'm Trevor McShane. My new single is She Said, and you're listening to The Jeremiah Show. Hi, this is Chris Hillman. If you've enjoyed my music with the Birds, the Flying Burrito Brothers, Manassas, Souther Hillman Fure Band, McGuinn Clark and Hillman, Evercall Ready, Rice Rice, Hillman and Peterson, and the Desert Rose Band, that's a lot of music. I hope you'll enjoy my new memoir, Time Between, My Life as a Bird, Burrito Brother, and Beyond. You can find it on my website, chrishillman.com. Enjoy. When the evening comes, this is when I think of you. On the road again when I'm by myself and feeling blue. And I think about the time we spent together. I can almost smell the coastline Watch the tide as it rolls in See the smoke rise in the wind Hi, this is Mike Gormley. It's the Mike Gormley Show, and it's uh, uh, part of the Jeremiah Higgins Empire. 
uh, which is a which is a good thing. Uh, we have today uh, Jesse Colin Young with us, and we're talking about his incredible career. And we just heard uh, a song called "Evening," it came out of that commercial, and um, and we've been talking about, of course, "Get Together," which was a massive success, and uh, another song called "Darkness, Darkness" that Robert Robert Plant was it who took it and won a Grammy with it. Yeah. Um, and uh, but now we're talking about a song for Julie as a 50th anniversary album. We talked about that a little bit earlier, but let's mm-hmm. remind folks that um, it's now not only now available, but it's been what remastered. Yeah. Yep. Remastered. Uh-oh. After all these years, you're still uh, working on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Um, When I first recorded for RCA in New York, they would say to us now, don't touch the board. I think it was probably a union thing. Yeah, right. Don't touch the board. You can't. Oh, okay. So I think from that day forward, I was thinking to myself, I'm just pugnacious enough to think, listen, I'll have my own board someday. Although in those days, you couldn't. You know, get one for a couple of thousand dollars. They were. No, it was an expensive problem. <laughs> a cheap was ex- was 30 grand, you know. Yeah, right. Something like that. <laughs> you didn't have that in your back pocket. I <laughs> no, I sure didn't. Uh, but I think I always, yeah, I, I knew I was going to. I knew I was going to build a studio and learn everything, learn engineering, learn mixing. Um, work as a so that I was part of every part of the uh, um, every part of the of the process of making a record. Well, that was pretty advanced of you because a lot of artists would just show up and sing mm-hmm. or play or whatever, and and go on the road and do whatever they were told to do, but. Now, are, are, where, are you, where are you situated now? Where are you talking to us from? I am talking to you from uh, South Carolina, down by, down by the, the Georgia border near Augusta, James Brown's hmm. hometown. Cool. And you have a studio there now? You're still uh, doing that? Yeah, I'm, si- I'm sitting in it. Um, uh, oh. But I don't use it much. Um, I've got a wonderful um, friend here who's got a studio who's really all his equipment is so up to date and he's got great ears and my ears are not so great anymore. Uh I I don't know whether I should make, I mixed a lot of my own records and uh, when I was younger and I'm just not I'm not there anymore. It's really painstaking work. And also, you, you really need to have good ears. And he's got them. Sean guesses his names. So I've been working with Sean. He lives about 15 or 20 minutes from my house. Um, I don't know, for 10 years, on and off. Yeah. Hmm. Great. Um, it w- I'm going to jump back a little bit. We talked about touring and that in October, you're going to do some dates. You want to 
tell us about where are you going? Well, let me first, just for kicks, let me tell you how evening came about. Okay. Um, so Youngbloods did a lot of like flying to New England for like the weekend. Because mm -hmm. we, uh, we played a lot of colleges in those early days and we're living in San Francisco. And I guess it was fairly inexpensive to fly coast to coast. And so we did. And we were playing at some little club in the boondock somewhere where the, where the, uh, it must have been a fill in date where they had made out of like two quart soup cans they made lights put a color light in there so that that was the that was the lighting that was available um uh in that in that little club and um so there was nothing out there but woods when the show was over i was um i just went back to the motel and i was kind of homesick and so I got up the guitar and and wrote the first verse to Evening, and thinking about my family out there and that beautiful little house we lived in, sitting over Tamales Bay on stilts. And yep, my dog is even in there. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> I was missing them all. <clears throat> my ex, my dog, my little Julie, who was a very young at that point um so that that eased the homesickness and, and i i may have finished it that evening i don't know mm. or maybe i can't remember whether i finished it there or at home but I mean, you got the basics done anyway though yeah um it's kind of like therapy isn't it writing it can be it, it yeah you're talking about being lonely or you could also be happy you could also be whatever but the song is going to reflect what's going on at that point yeah absolutely which could be dangerous i suppose but <laughs> well yeah at, when i look back at all the records i've made i mean i really i mean it is a really an autobiography of my life yeah because I've reflected it into music probably since sure. I was 20, since I was 20. And uh, what's yeah. what, what uh, have you written a lot lately, like in the last couple of weeks or songs that are reflecting your life now? Not. No. I haven't been writing a lot since. The, it's funny. COVID interrupted things, right? I didn't write a song all through COVID. Mm. Uh, but I did get back into playing solo, and that was a wonderful kind of full circle for me. I started solo, and I haven't played that way in public for a long time. Mm. So that was a lovely completion of a circle for me. But... Um, well, we're going to uh, we're going to uh, go into another commercial and we're going to play a song you were just talking about uh, your version of uh, Jambalaya, mm. which, is a, which is a classic. But um, what twist might have you given Jambalaya that or, or did you just go straight into it? Yeah, actually, we um, 
when we recorded it, we would just go right from Lafayette Waltz into Jambalaya. And I think that's maybe the way it is on the, on the record. I can't remember. I think we run right into Jambalaya. Hmm. You spliced it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, oh, I got splicing tape really hard. All right. Well, here we go with Jambalaya on our way to yet another, but possibly last commercial. And uh, we'll be we'll be uh, coming back in a little bit. This is Mike Gormley. It's the Mike Gormley Show. And we're uh, back in a minute or two. enough to be crowned the winner of season 19 of The Voice. You can go listen to my music on Apple Music, iTunes, YouTube Music, and Spotify, and you're listening to The Jeremiah Show. Welcome, Somerset, England. The Jeremiah Show is now on Core Radio. Keep on rocking to the core. Core Radio, The Jeremiah Show, airs at 10 p.m. Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Core Radio dot rocks. This is Miles Copeland. Yeah, I just had the honor of... Speaking to the Jeremiah show, who would have believed that little old me would have the opportunity to speak on such a prestigious show? And they even talked about my book, my memoir, Two Steps Forward, One Step Back, My Life in the Music Business. So it was a great pleasure to uh, be on that show, The Jeremiah Show. Before the next great song plays, let's pause to consider all the people who work tirelessly to bring us the music we love. Music Cares is music's leading national charity that provides a safety net of support and crisis relief for the music community. Everyone from musicians to tour managers, sound engineers to designers can rely on Music Cares to provide emergency financial assistance and essential resources in times of need. Find out how you can help at musiccares.org. That's M-U-S-I-C-A-R-E-S. Hi, you're listening to The Jeremiah Show. This is Zay Romeo. I am a contestant on season 20 of The Voice, and you can catch me on all my socials at Zay Romeo.
Hi, this is Mike Gormley. It's the Mike Gormley Show, sponsored by Jeremiah Higgins. Um, and um, that the song we just heard, um, wait, I forgot the song number. I'm sorry, I forgot the name already. <laughs> T-Bone Shuffle. Oh, T-Bone Shuffle. I did write it down. I just yeah, fun, fun right, song. Can we do that again? Yeah, start from the top. All right. Um, so this is Mike Gormley. It's the Mike Gormley Show, and uh, uh, under the auspices of uh, Jeremiah Higgins, and um, we just uh, listened to a song called T-Bone Shuffle, which I think helps display the wide variety of music that you can hear from Jesse Colin Young. Um, there, we were talking about dates you're going to do, and there's one very important one. Mm. I consider important one on October 18th at the Grammy Museum in Los Angeles, right? And there's a documentary that's going to be presented. Yeah, we right around the time we were recording Song for Julie, one of my neighbors, who's Igor Sezevich, um, up there on the ridgetop, decided that he should make a movie. I mean, here this was going on right down the road from him. And uh, he hired a wonderful videographer uh, whose name escapes me now, but who went on to become famous and did a beautiful job of making a kind of a documentary of what was going on right then because the music was happening, the recording in it was happening 100 feet from the house. and and uh, This is from 50 years ago? Yeah. Wow. So that that movie, which I guess turned out to be maybe an hour. Yeah, I just it's just kind of been there sitting around. And we decided this is the perfect time to to so show it's never it. never been seen in all this time. No, it hasn't been. It's just been in a drawer. And actually, Igor, I thought about it. A couple of years ago, when Igor was still alive, and I said, I called him up, and I said, wow, Igor, you still have the same number. <laughs> it's been 40 years since I talked to you. And do you have a copy? Can you get me a copy of the movie that we made, High on a Ridgetop? And um, yeah, he fooled around, and he said, I'll get you the best copy that I can. I don't really have the, he didn't really have the film, but. Um, yeah, so we're playing, um, we're playing the movie, and then we're talking about it. You're gonna play live and doing a Q and A, and then, you know, I'll play four or five tunes. At the end. That's uh, October eighteenth, and and uh, you actually get tickets for it early. It's uh, American Express early access on September twenty first, twenty first. Um, and everything else goes on sale September 23rd. So, and I guess it, uh, it's Grammy Museum. Well, well, if people need to find out and call the Grammy Museum in LA and get the information on how to get there and how to get tickets, et cetera. Yeah, there's a couple other things happening in the Bay Area, but I, the only thing I know of, and I'm not sure of the date, uh, I think it's the 10th. It's the Mill Valley Film Festival, and Taj Mahal and I are playing at, mm. around this, the release of a film called Feast Your Ears, 
which is about WHFS, this great radio station in uh, D.C., mm. that every time I went to D.C. to play, no matter what, um, they would put me on the radio That's good. <laughs> live. Whether I was solo with a band, I remember setting up the band in there and the drums had to be in the hallway. You know, the radio stations, the, the little studios are mostly... Sure. Yeah, just for guys talking or gals, but um, not really <laughs> for bands. But yeah, and I miss. I guess that was going on with lots of musicians. Damien Einstein was my pal there, and I would always go on Damien's show. Mm. And, uh, he was one of the sons. A couple sons and a father built that radio station, and it was a great radio station. And uh, well, you know, I, I I said tickets are available September twenty first. As we take this, it is September twenty first, and uh, but the general um, general sale happens in a couple of days on the twenty third. Mm -hmm. so you, you can get that out, and then the Mill Valley Film Festival um, is is on for about ten days, I, I think, in in October. Yeah, but we played. I think we play on the tenth. Okay. If Connie was here, she would know. Um, but I'm also playing somewhere in a on Haight Street in a, a I wish I knew. We're we're previewing the movie. Ah. The same way we're doing in the Grammy Museum. And I just don't know where that is. Well, we'll find out. The, Gram the Grammy Museum is is uh, easily found in L.A. It's right downtown. But what yeah. you're talking about in San Francisco, I don't have the information right here. But it's called Mill Valley Film Festival. So that gives you a hint as to where it may be taking place. Yeah, that's that's the one show that was not our movie. That's the we're doing that to support a uh, Feast Your Ears, which is ah. that movie about the radio station. I then, Go then ahead. the next night we're playing somewhere at an art theater on in the hate um and we're we're doing the same thing we're doing at the grammy museum playing the movie uh having a, a talk and a q a and and a short set from yours truly we're getting we're getting a flash of information it's october 13th at 8 p.m mill valley film festival taj mahal jesse colin young uh, for the Feast Your Ears film. That's what right. we're talking about. So we've, that's been that down anyway. Um, <laughs> 13. I'm glad we got that information because we're, we've run out of time. And uh, um, it's, it, it's time to say goodbye. But I uh, thank you so much. It was good. It went by in a flash. And there, I've got papers all over the place that I want to ask you about. And I never got to them. So maybe we'll try it again sometime, but thanks. Yeah, so I'd love to. I'd love to. All right. Thanks so much. And, and best, best with everything. All right, Mike. This is, a, this is a Mike Gormley show on uh, uh, Jesse Colin, Jesse Colin Young. I was going to say it's on Jesse Colin Young. It's about <laughs> Jesse Colin Young. It's, it's on Jeremiah Higgins uh, slide. So, uh, uh, so we're, we're going to, uh, slide into i've forgotten what song we're going into the commercial with i'm sorry but morning sun oh true okay there you go thank you yeah 
All right. Morning, son. We'll talk to you again. Thanks so much.
You've been listening to The Jeremiah Show. I am Miles Zuniga from Fastball, and you can find me every Tuesday at 7 p.m. at www.facebook.com slash Loves You. I do a live stream. I'd love to see you there. Thank you. Hi, this is comedian Maz Jobrani, and you are listening to The Jeremiah Show on KZSB Santa Barbara. Listen, man. Did you like our soundtrack? Find all of our soundtracks on Spotify. The Jeremiah Show. Look for the black label. As always, a big thanks to Dr. D for making our voices come alive on the airwaves. And to our station manager, Les Carroll, for letting us on the air at all. Listeners, we appreciate you and want to hear from you. Please send us your ideas, jeremiah at thejeremiahshow.com or on Messenger on Facebook or Instagram. The Jeremiah Show is produced by executive producer Jeremiah Higgins and sound engineer producer Richard Dr. D. Dugan and me, your announcer, Tony Kelly. Communicate, listen more, and evolve. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.